calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. As you leap through the surface of the portal, shimmering with prismatic intensity, you're very cold for just an instant, and then you feel everything. Your spirit is stripped at last from the pain and weight of your mortal shell. You find your consciousness elongated beyond reason and careening forward at incredible speed. And like the tail of a comet, you race to keep up with yourself. You fly like electricity through a series of wires following some unseen web of magical patchwork lines, both pulled and pushed by an unknown power. Christ, the speed you travel becomes too much to take in. The vibrations and transparent energies of all you're experiencing bombard you and force you into an unconsciousness. When you open your eyes, you are alone in a dark, twisting cavern covered top to bottom with razor-sharp crystalline spikes. The echo of your every breath bounces endlessly across each facet and down the passages. You step carefully, trying not to cut yourself on the deadly crystal blades, navigating your way slowly through the foreign and reflective landscape. You walk for what seems like a very long time, but a very short distance, and the walls seem to close in further as you tread. The blades start to brush against you, slowly cutting into your clothing and tickling your skin. Even the smallest movement seems to let them slice away everything you wear, your long hair, and your inhibitions. But they draw no blood, as if you were the perfect fit. When your raiments and identity are cast aside and left behind you, you find yourself emerging into a brilliant, reflective dome-shaped chamber. The walls are made of pure, transparent gemstone, and they seem to bend outward like a million reflections of a porthole on a ship. You gaze out beyond the crystalline window to see what lies on the other side, and you see yourself, huge in scale, gazing into a mirror. It's as though you're looking at yourself from a tiny window above your heart. Arvid, your spirit follows the strange trajectory of these railways of magical energy. The speed is exhilarating. The freedom is terrifying. The unseen force that guides you carries you upward, higher and higher, and then everything comes to a crashing halt. You are cold, pressed flat against a rough, jagged stone, a cold wind pulling at your cloak and almost ripping you off of the cliff wall you cling to desperately with your fingertips. An unwise glance down reveals what looks like thick, pale fog below you, and upward is a sheer rocky climb. The choice is fall, or use every scrap of strength you have to proceed upward, hand over hand struggling with bare fingertips against cold rock, seeking any tiny grasp you can find you ascend. Slowly, painfully, 
you realize the fog below you is in fact the tops of the clouds. This height is unfathomable. You feel like quitting and just letting yourself fall comfortably back until your left hand grips a handful of thick roots and grass. In a relieved near panic, you launch yourself upward onto a flat plateau face first into the thick green leaves of the flora. And after a moment of rest, you find your feet here on this plateau overlooking an endless sea of clouds. The wind batters at you as you make eye contact with the only other living thing up here. Four heavy stone-like hooves paw at the firm earth. Thick, frosty, matted hair hangs heavy to the ground. Huge, dark, curled horns lower slowly as a massive ram taller than even you lowers its head and offers up a challenge. It doesn't seem like an act of fear or hate. And without thinking, you lower your head as a smile spreads across your face. You charge in an instant and you hit. And it all goes dark. Artyom. The sensation of being spread so thin is confounding. This lack of control and gripping force of energy that cascades you along seems unshakable. You try to will yourself into control with no avail until it stops altogether and you fall. Deeper and deeper free falling into complete darkness. It is a cold and familiar darkness. It fills you with nostalgia and sickness. The familiarity of it makes it no less threatening and it seems to hold you in place, slowing your descent. Once again lost in the dark, you float free, near surrender. And then a tug, a sudden burst of upward movement pulls you at an even greater speed for just a moment, like an unseen hand throwing you skyward. Flying through the shadows, shattering through what seems like a sheet of obsidian ice, you find yourself suspended, somewhere quiet and warm. You seem to look out over an eternal ocean awash in colors of red and yellow, and as the warmth builds behind you, you get lost in the beauty. And then the warmth becomes a heat, and the light grows stronger, and reluctantly, you glance behind. And then you see it once again, and it fills your entire field of vision. The sun. It is upon you. A burning sphere of impossible dimension seems to roll towards you mere feet away. The heat and energy rush through you, filling you completely and casting fear and reason out of your body. Instinctually, in a desperate act, you extend your hands to stop it, to push it away. You are a speck of darkness against a sea of light. Your fingers burn and crackle with the white heat as they slide into the thick, viscous liquid fire, burning you away, up to your elbows. And then, suddenly, you find an unseen surface. The pain, it is horrible, but you are still here. Straining, you push one foot in front of the other, and against all reason, the sphere of daylight begins to slowly roll away, ushered by your guiding hands across the clear day sky. Arathax, as you soar through these strange beams of magical energy, flying in unknown directions, a sensation new to you but novel, you become aware of huge dark shapes that seem to move swiftly just outside of the beams of light you travel through. They seem to follow you and soar alongside, following closely your path. The shapes are just a blur through the magical distortion. Your swift magical trajectory comes to a stop as you break the surface of a lake of crystal clear water. As you glide through the pool and belly up to the shore, you find yourself in the heart of an immense, lush, tropical jungle. The sky is a deep shade of burnt rose, and four pale white suns burn overhead. Towering trees enwrapped in vines cast dark shadows across huge ten-foot-tall ferns in shades of blood red and deep blue. Beautifully deadly-looking plants sprout huge, 
beautiful flowers and seemed to shift and crawl on their own ever so slowly. There in the distance, you see an ancient stone step pyramid that stretches into the sky, and above it, the air is filled with bright avian beasts covered in both scale and feather, seeming to have turned the structure's plateau into an aviary. This must be Selvarax, the homeland of your people, the birthplace of the Drakkar. You are lost in the wonders of this domain, the smells, the colors, and the energy coming from every living thing. It's almost too much to process but the sound of a deep crashing snaps you to attention. You turn to see the tops of the trees bending and snapping aside as something unseen and massive moves through the jungle towards you. Their speed is accelerating. In fear, you dive back into the safety of the clear water, playing to your biological strengths. You go deep, much deeper than any lake should go. It's a survival instinct. Quiet, dark, cold. You slow your heart rate and control your held breath. You could stay here for quite some time, but the distant ground beneath you moves. It sways to one side and almost spirals as a dark, ominous shape turns to face you. Its scale is so vast that you mistook it for the bed of this body of water. You can just make out four glowing eyes and the glint of teeth. You swim as fast as your body can muster back to the surface and find the nearest shore. You cough up the water that you swallowed in a panic, just in time to realize you are still set upon by more huge unseen shapes just beyond the tree line. Danger is coming from all directions. Fight or flight, instincts rattle your panicked indecision. You must survive. You must survive. And this feeling it seems to last forever until it goes dark. Breaking news from the LUQ headquarters. We've just received word the Quadron Monitor Reginald 419 is active. The novice ranked team, the Mortal Dawn, who went missing after their altercation with the colossal giant worm, are no longer presumed dead. It's unclear what triggered Reginald 419's homing protocol, but this brave little Modron has returned from Ergo and is moving with purpose. While we're not receiving any broadcast from 419 and the team's location remains unknown, there is hope that this unexpected fan favorite may still be with us. Hot damn, roll out the red carpet because we got Penadrone Enforcers, Elite Dornish Trailfinders, and literal Bloodhounds. Uh, nobody puts on a manhunt like Nexus. God, it's been years. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, this kind of top-shelf tactical deployment gets me you know, gets me harder than a mithril doorknob. Top-shelf is right, Storm. The Nexus Enterprise takes missing team protocol very seriously, and rest assured, we'll keep you up to date as the story unfolds. In the meantime, stay tuned for more of your regularly scheduled action and adventure from the League of Ultimate Questing. So Harathax, Arvid, and Artyom begin to regain consciousness. You feel like you're in a very enclosed, dark, slightly cold place. There's stone pressing against your bodies. It's very tight. You can barely move. Slowly, you start to hear a chiseling sound, like stone breaking away. It kind of amplifies and rings in your head inside of this cavity that you're somehow buried in. And you see a little bit of light as a crack forms near you, and the wall starts to fall away. And you're kind of spilled out into this cold, dark cave, the three of you just kind of spilling outward. And uh, as you look back behind you in confusion, you see that you were inside of this cavernous chunk of earth that looks kind of like a geode. There's gems kind of running through the wall and they twinkle and they're very reflective. And as the three of you kind of fall out, Christ is still somewhat embedded into the wall. His body seems to have sunken into this crystalline surface 
beyond this stone barrier. And standing before you, there are three small figures. They have very dark brownish purple skin. One of them has a huge head of bushy white hair, and they all have these strange kind of phosphorescent tattoos on parts of their body. They wear next to nothing, scraggy little scraps of clothing. Two of them have these little silver hammers in their hands, and one of them holds what looks like a giant chisel. Artyom, you recognize them as Furf Neblin, the Deep Gnomes. They all have huge glowing eyes, big noses that are very round and long pointed ears, very cartoony in appearance. And they're looking at you all dumbfounded. Um, and as you emerge, you are all immediately aware that while traveling through the ley lines of magic, you have changed in some way. Uh, Christ, you have gained the power of lucient vibrance. Arvid, you have gained the horns of the ram. Uh, Artium, you have gained radiant absorption. And Harithax, you have gained the Bond of Continuance. I'll get you all a minute to read over this and get familiar with it. You have now an awakened power. Alright, that's pretty fucking sick. Um, I, I guess it's pretty obvious that uh, Arvid has grown uh, large curled ram horns. Like, Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, new. It's excellent. <laughs> There's clearly been a slight change in each of you, um, although Christ still remains somewhat embedded in the wall. And as you're watching, looking for some signs of consciousness, his eyes snap open, glowing with the same purple and blue of the stone. And some of it seems to sink and coalesce in his body as he falls out of the wall. I turn to the Sphere Nevelin and I say in Trav, mm -hmm. did you do this? They seem to recoil slightly at the sound of your language. And they look to each other in a bit of confusion. <laughs> I point to them and the black of my arms have been blackened even darker. And the only parts that are unburned look like sunbursts. Like, like, yeah. So as I do it, I reach out to them and I point and I channel some uh, thaumaturgy mm -hmm. to make the bright parts of my skin glow brighter. Where are we? Uh, they seem absolutely terrified by this. And they kind of cling to each other and drop their mining tools to the ground, like in this huge embrace with the three of them finding strength in each other. And you hear the sounds of like way up down these caves, slightly more of this like chiseling just off in the distance. Um, and you see like there's support beams made of wood. Um, so you're in some sort of a mining cavern. I want to run to Arvid, and I'm going to immediately start checking on your horns, and I look very worried. Okay, and, and as Arvid, I may not have noticed the horns until you started touching them. <laughs> um, Are you feeling all right? Do you have a headache? Is there any kind of... Uh, <laughs> okay? Do you feel a radiating... <laughs> Do you feel radiating pain? Is there any kind of... Uh, is there blood? Nope, they seem like they're fused right with the skull. Oh, I'm going to do something uncomfortable. I pull on the, the horn. Um, and reaction is for Arvid to flip his head back um, as if bucking away from... I just, I just go tumbling over the back of him and just land on the ground. <laughs> they're, they're affixed real good. <laughs> That's good. It means better they're ungood than bad. Uh, I'm sorry. I, you startled me. No, it's okay. Do they look cool? They look so... They look fresh to death. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I look. I look at Chris. This is right. Yes, fresh to death. This is what uh, you say. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not okay either. I run, I run over to him. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that's uh. It's lit, fam. That's what they say in, in the land of the sun up here. It's, it's... The only obvious change with Chris after he seems to come out of this wall is when these geodes and gems sort of pull into his body. Is Christ always has a little bit of a, like a twinkle to him, 
but he seems to have an actual like vibrance to him. If you look very close, there's almost a reflective property. You wouldn't notice it unless you were paying very close attention, but you've all been spending a lot of time around Christ and he just kind of glows. I glow my hand and I hold it closer to him. Does it get brighter? There's a little uh, bit of Chris, a reflection. Yes, Chris will also hold his hand out. I'm not going See, to hold hands with you. I'm trying to test the medical things. You know, like medicine, science. This oh. is God. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Does that, can I tell what it's coming from? Uh, if you look incredibly close, you might be able to see tiny, tiny little pore-sized crystals. You're even more fabulous than you ever were. And Harathox looks mostly the same. The only thing that stands out is a very bright white symbol has joined with his belly paintings, his ritualistic patterns that he puts on, they put on. You're okay? I think so. You're okay. Tell me about these creatures. I like them. They're they don't swift. wear clothes and they have tattoos. They're Swift Neblin. I understand that the dwarves are known for uh, their excellent crafts, things like this. Swift Neblin make uh, dwarves look like idiot children uh, messing around with the mud in, in the thing. Where they, they hold the mud and it falls down and it looks like poopies. That's what it looks like. I have no idea what you're talking about. The <laughs> <laughs> And the three of them have kind of, they're not like running away, but they've kind of backed up against the far wall, which isn't that far. It's a pretty narrow walkway. And they're just whispering to each other and pointing at all four of you, but mostly RTM. RTM, is there not uh, um, an underground version of Common that you can speak with them? Like Undercommon? A, yeah, I was going to say like an Undercommon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Undercommon? <laughs> Undercommon is a thing, uh, but you also know that there are some colonies that don't really speak it because they're just outside of that. Like Swerf Neblin, they probably speak some kind of deep gnome. Is it safe to assume that much like in other worlds, that in this world, the drow are considered like the more nobility of the under people? Okay, cool. Very much so. You um, know there are other hives of drow that actually have Sferf Neblin. Like, well, you were a slave growing up. Mm. That's like the American Irish slave. Like, you're still technically a human, but they have like right. horrible, intense slave camps of these Sferf Neblin. But they're just treated like animals by a lot of drow. Oh, boy. <laughs> I look at them and in Undercommon... Not in, in drow. Sure. Are you okay? And they seem like they kind of like pick up on a little bit of it and they're not detecting any aggression or anything, but they're still kind of confused by the language somewhat. They're like, mm, uh, mm, uh, and they point to their heads and they all three of them at the same time point to the top of their heads. Mm? And then they point down the corridor. Arvid, can you carry uh, our crystalline friend here? Uh, if he needs carrying, can I, may I carry you? Uh, I, I would like a shoulder to lean on. I, I think I can move. And they all nod eagerly. Mm, mm. Uh, I gesture, lead the way. E. And uh, as they start walking along, they work kind of... They pick, <laughs> I'm going to die! <laughs> they, they pick up their, their tools and shoulder them in, in kind of perfect unison and start like marching down this little corridor. And as you go further... Don't and, do it, Michael. <laughs> Don't you dare. If I hear even one hi-ho out of the I'm not going to lie. It was the first thing that went through my head. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear Haruthak sing that song, though. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Just a little bit. The fun thing, though, is as you're walking down these long, winding kind of mining shafts, you see little bits of these, like, glowing crystals that kind of have this energy that sort of twinkles through them. And as you go a little ways, you hear a sound from a cavity of a wall that looks like it's partially, like, caved in and broken. This sort of, like... <gasps> is that oh, Dalazir? I can't believe that... I forgot about Morty. Oh, no. What about Dalazir? Dalazir? Our prisoner? Oh. Oh. Yeah. No sign of Dalazir. Ah, fuck. <laughs> um, but immediately these little Sferf Neblin go over and start moving rocks, and they, one of them holds up the chisel and, like, rests it on his head as the other two stand behind him, like, wailing on it with a hammer. And this it's weirdly functional, um, and they chip away chunks of wall. I say in Elven, to just no one in particular, 
if anybody is watching, keep an eye out and you'll be rewarded for helping. Um, I would like to offer my hand to the Smurf Nevlin. Smurf. Smurf. You can call them, it's okay to call them gnomes. The little gnomes, the dark gnome. Deep Um, gnome. Deep gnomes, that's right. Uh, Arvid offers hand to the deep gnome, trying to suggest he can help uh, hit it harder basically. Totally. And most of it's moving rocks at this point. So while they're chiseling to a small size that they can carry, you can just kind of reach your hands over them (laughs) and start picking up these boulders bigger than they are. And, and with some push from the other side, this large slobbery, very dirty dog kind of clambers out and (laughs) wobbles his face back and forth, getting spit all over the you and the Swerf Neblin. (laughs) Seems like totally happy. Just he's covered in dirt. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I never want to lose you again. Is he looking okay, medical-wise? He looks like he's got, like, he was probably trying to fight his way out, so his paws are a little messed up from pushing against rock, but he's a big, happy puppy. And uh, the little Swerf Neblin freak out and hide behind Arvid, and he's, like, really curious <laughs> now, and he's, like, trying to play with them because they're so small and weird. And all, the, and all the while, I'm, like, trying to, like, lift his legs to look at his paws while he's, like... <laughs> they're, they're squeaky, like squeaky toys, so that's really... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I look at, uh, at Artyom, and I'm... Where in the nine hills are we? Probably one of them. As I keep looking at the dog. <laughs> yeah. And you do as much of a tertiary glance at he seems okay for now. Um you'll probably be able to check on him when things have calmed down, but he's a, he's hyper mode. If I had to guess I'd say we're probably somewhere I don't want to be. I mean I'm guessing this looks an awful lot like something I've seen before. Nothing I mean the terrain, yes, but like the, the structure of the Facility, not quite. You've never been to like this kind of mining camp. There are two possibilities. There is Rift Neblin here, which means there are either A, we are in the Underdark, or B, we are somewhere where the Underdark has sway. Or we're really lucky and maybe we're somewhere totally fantastic and they just happen to have Rift Neblin slaves unrelated. Are you still able to draw power from the sun if you cannot see it? My friend, the sun is always with me. Chris is lying on the ground, just kind of feeling at the wall. Uh, this is a very beautiful place. And so he pull, puts his hand out, feeling the wall, just kind of um, attuning to it accidentally, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out, you know, where we are. Certainly. And as you do, the diamond in your hand brushes against one of these like glowing bluish green geodes that seems to like actually like twinkle inside with like a little bit of like electricity. And as you touch it, you suddenly tune into these veins of this bizarre element <sighs> and it goes in all directions in these endless caverns and a thousand feet in every direction. And it's, it's quite jarring for just a split moment, but you can tell that these are producing a lot of magic. Noticing what Chris is doing, Arvid walks over and says, Chris, did you learn to speak to rocks? I, I guess so. I, we might be at a ley line, maybe? I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know. Great. Now we have somebody who can speak to rocks, somebody who can speak to animals. Now we need somebody who can speak to idiots and maybe we'll do okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And after the calming down of this huge puppy, uh, the Swerf Neblin again begin to guide you guys along. And actually, as you get further in, you can tell that a lot of these different caverns that just pass off in every direction, if they weren't guiding you, you would be lost in a heartbeat. Um, but echoing through the corridors, you can hear the sounds of very strange singing. And just like this kind of rhythmic working song in a language you don't understand, that's very upbeat and it's like the same 10 words over and over again. And the sound of tink, tink, tink tink to the music as they sing along um, and you can tell that these Furf Nibblin are working while singing a little upbeat gnomish song. So as you follow this set of three little jovial Furf Neblins through the winding mine corridors you enter a huge central cylindrical structure 
The ceiling is hundreds of feet high and filled with these crystalline geodes. Um, in the center of it, there's a pillar that goes from top to bottom made of solid stone. And all around there's wooden scaffolding building up into the walls, tiny caves leading in, and you can see some of the Sphere of Neblin like sitting up in them. These are probably their, their domiciles, little spots where they would live. Some of them are sitting with their feet dangling over the edge of the wooden rafters, looking down at things, and a lot of them are milling around. A couple of them are leading along a giant slug with this, there's actually a snail with a huge shell with buckets hanging around it that are filled with these harvested gems that they're collecting from the walls. And while it moves very slowly, it seems to have a very large carrying capacity. And uh, a couple of them are kind of facing around this pillar. And the three that are leading you seem to be kind of gesturing you and pointing towards the door of this pillar. Uh, so the three of them kind of run up to this door that leads into this central pillar and they wave eagerly for you guys to enter. Um, with big grins on their faces, seeming very proud of themselves for having gotten you here. Although you are definitely getting a lot of looks from all of these beady little eyes up along the walls, going up dozens of feet. Arvid's giving all the teammates a, a bright grin and like, a, you know, eye, big eye contact, like, uh, uh, yeah. Be very careful. Uh, have you guys seen something so beautiful? Uh, they're all staring at you very curiously and a couple of them point at Artyom and whisper to each other. You must be as careful as you possibly can. Why is that? If we are where I think we are, everywhere here is dangerous. Everywhere. The Underdark is not a place for uh, outsiders or anybody, if I'm being honest. And Elvin, I'm going to turn to Artyom and say, what, what are you really concerned about? I, I don't know much about this realm. You say concerned? I don't know this word. Sorry, it's, it's like my third language. What's going to come after us? <laughs> it would take too long to explain. Don't worry. Just be careful. Uh -huh. <laughs> they just keep walking forward. <laughs> Uh, and as they eagerly point in, they all say, Vianvas! 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 Can I roll, like, a wisdom check to figure out if I've heard this before? Um, it sounds like a name. I'll let you just know that it sounds like someone's name. Or the name of a place. Mm -mm. A title of some kind. And one of them, like, actually grabs Arvid by, like, the finger, like this little tiny baby <laughs> hand, like, guiding along this gentle giant and kind of gestures for you to enter and you have to crouch down real real low to get your body inside this little hole uh <clears throat> chris will put his hand on the wall and kind of try to feel the sonic resonance of the people or potential beings in wherever direction we're going uh you feel like there's less of that strange glowing crystal in this area than there were in the mines but there is some like up in the ceiling you're all escorted into this cavern inside of this pillar uh, it's a very large room that seems to go up as far as the pillar does. And there, growing along the walls, are thousands of glowing blue mushrooms, just phosphorescent, filling the cavity with a kind of soft aquatic light. And there's a figure sitting near the center in what looks sort of like a yurt from the inside, in that there are paintings on some of the walls in between the mushrooms, lots of hanging beads and, and pieces of animal parts, um, small skulls, bits of carapace, in the form of jewelry and sculpture that just sort of hang from the ceiling on these long, thin wires, almost like spider silk. Um, and the figure sitting in the center is cross-legged, seems also like a Sferf Neblin, but a little bit more elongated, like just slightly more humanoid proportions, but at the same size. Um, they're wearing a very wide-brimmed round hat that has the same kind of color as these phosphorescent mushrooms. Um wrinkled as all get out, covered head to toe in tiny, tiny glowing tattoos. Their eyes are just a blank sheet of white, seemingly staring off blinded and smoking a very long uh, pipe that looks like the bottom of it is curled like a snail shell. 
and this strange herbaceous smell is filling the air as they puff on it. Does this room look like like a medicine person's hut to Haruthax at all? Uh, immediately you kind of pick up on the sense that there's probably half ritual, half medicine. There's some sort of a witch doctory feel to this place. Okay. Do the do the mushrooms, have I ever seen mushrooms like this before? Uh, roll me a nature check. Sure. Do, do, do. No. Uh, rocking a five. No, these are, com- you can recognize that they're mushrooms, but their organisms are completely foreign to you. I like this place. I like the people. I like this hut. And it's quite beautiful. And the three little ones all point to the figure sitting in the center and say, Vionvas! Vionvas! Gospelgeum Vionvas? And this long fingernailed hand kind of gestures for you guys to come forward. Do I know anything about their governmental structures? Not really. Only that there's probably a strong lack thereof. I, uh, Chris looks to Morty as a kind of uh, guidance of should we be concerned about this person? Yeah. Morty's like looking at all the little gnomes like up hanging on the wall, like sitting down on little ledges. It's like, <laughs> like he just wants to play with everything. You looked at the dog for guidance. <laughs> Animals are often more honest than other things. I suppose that's fair. And there's a short conversation that is exchanged between the three Svirfneblin that led you here and this figure that they're referring to as Vion Voss um, in a very fast gnomish language. Just like, like uh, sentences flying by in the time it takes us to say words. Um, and they seem to have exchanged some information. They look very proud of themselves. They like pat themselves on the back. And uh, then they leave the chamber. And this voice is, please come sit down. All right. All of us? Please. It's the whispery thing. It's just a witch doctor thing. I do it. They do it. It's, just, it's the witch doctor accent. Archim falls into a proper drav squat. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Chris finds like a nice like, you know, pole in the yurt or wall in the yurt and just like leans against it. Chimble tells me that you were excavated from one of the walls. How strange indeed. He was ex- excavated. We were more shat out. Hmm. We mine the residuum inside of the caverns here, and we harvest it in exchange for our master's protection. Who is your master? And she kind of just gestures to Artyom. And when I say she, that's just kind of your assumption. It's hard to tell for sure. You hear that sharp intake of breath from me. She must not be very nice. What's wrong? Careful. You are not like them, though, are you? You are not from Hive Calvia born. Drogondrav. You are not a lizard rider, then. You are a root farmer. I would call myself a doctor, thank you. And as she's talking with you, there's no eye contact. You're pretty sure that this being is completely blind. I am the elder here. We have lived in this cavity and these mines for hundreds of years. It is our home. And while we must work hard for the protection from the great beasts of the Underdark, we are kept safe and we are happy and we have a family. It is strange that you have come here, but perhaps fortuitous to us, for we have not heard from our masters in a blessedly long time. Though in their absence, the beasts have returned. Is this level of autonomy normal for you? They always seem to be watching if we do not see them, but this time they have not come to fight the foes that seek and hunt us. We are not warriors. We cannot battle the huge beasts that dwell within these caverns on our own. And in their absence, they have grown bold and returned. You are all from the surface, and it is known to me that many of those who are from the surface wish to return there. Even those not from it sometimes wish to return. Two. Haruthax definitely gives a pointed look at, at Artyom when she says, You're all from the surface. <laughs> <laughs> you all reek of sunlight, especially that one. <clears throat> the better than reeking like deep root. In my youth, I was a shift walker, 
a guide to the Drexian realm. If you could help us with some of the beasts that have returned to kill my people and destroy our colony, I would make sure that you would be escorted safely to the surface. And what assurance do we have that your statement that they are not here, your masters? Mm. The beasts being here speaks testament to their absence. Mm. What are these beasts? They are those that burrow under the ground, huge, hulking shapes covered in thick carapace, long claws, horrible strength. A beast is like any other beast. We'll kill it if we have to. But I have a better question. Mm. You serve them. Do you farm? you farm this residuum? Yes. Where do you bring it, if not to them? They come to get it. And they have not? Not for some time. Large supply, currently? Less than there used to be. Mm. And I imagine your stores are full to bursting with all the gaps between their arrivals. We don't use it for much. Some of the elders know how to weave it into magic, but mostly it's just a sharp and pointy rock that we have nothing to do with. They are excellent craftsmen. We may be able to convince them to give you something. That would be cool. These magical crystals are irrelevant to me, but maybe for a priest, the... I do feel a strange affinity with them. Your body resonates with the same magic of the residuum. It's as though it isn't within you. Can you tell me more? This is the first time I've even seen such a wonderful and beautiful place. Um, this figure slowly rises to their feet, and even standing is just eye to eye with the seated Christ. Christ. Seated Christ. 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 <clears throat> and uh, they take a few steps forward and hold their finger up and trace this long, jagged kind of fingernail down your face, very gently, not cutting. And it seems like they're looking for something. And they pass it over each of your eyes. And they trace it over your lips and then go down to the left of your shoulder to the right. And then stop. No. They retract their hand. You asked to know more. I simply seek the answers. I don't know if I'm ready for answers yet. I am. What is this? Your friend is quite special. Are you sure? You poor creature. Chris just kind of looks away and retreats into himself. I point at Arvid. And I, and I just, like, make a, a hug gesture and then point at, at Chris. Uh, yeah, shakes full horned head and um, leans over and goes, Come here, friend. It's, it's okay. I have a very important question that I thought of a little while ago. How does the farmer's hat interact with the horns? I would just rest right on top of them. It just sits right on top? Okay, I wasn't sure the horns would, like, burst out of the farmer's hat oh, or anything. That'd be kind of like, cute, though. Yeah. Like, little, mm-hmm. little uh, horns coming out the side. Though, if they're if they're curved ram horns, it's like it would pin the hat there oh, indefinitely. Yeah. yeah, you'd never be able to take the hat off. <laughs> and Arvid has a very wide head, so the horns are on the side, the hat rests on the top. There we go. Haruthex is looking around at all the herbs and stuff in here and asks this person whose name was pronounced in Svirfneblin and definitely not going to reattempt. The mm-hmm. Vos, right? Mm-hmm fine memory person um <laughs> memory person? you memory person you ridiculous person you the classic schoolyard jive you <laughs> memory person you ludicrous rememberer you you noter of things yes keeper of stuff yeah you <laughs> son of a bitch you don't even have notes out and you remembered that person's name memory person memory uh, person i recall the things i hear yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to look around at like the herbs and stuff and be like, um, can you teach me the uses for your herbs? I'm curious about your medicines. It is a long lecture indeed. I spent most of my life learning how they work. And as they tilt their head back, you notice the underside of this large domed hat they have is like the soft velvety underside of a mushroom. 
that's just growing into their head. With the little striations and everything? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's adorable. I'm going to die. Uh, uh, Chris, after receiving the wonderful hug from Arvid, and of course Chris gives a slight hug back, um, Chris actually shouts out for Reginald. Reginald? Reginald? No reply whatsoever. This means one of two things. Either he's not here, or he's tired of answering stupid questions that he cannot answer. And uh, at that you notice, just when the question of Reginald comes up, that you look down and the star on your bracelet is red. Which means you are out of signal. How long did they say we have until we get back into signal? I think it was 24 hours. One day. Depends on the uh, situation. Oh, we might be under a little bit of a rush, Gaspagia. Yes. But... With Reginald gone, I think I'm ready to listen. Kip, uh, Kip, can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear, Storm. All right, uh, we got Kip on the field of the Breathless Sands for a live interview with the team of wizards and Modron managers actively searching for the missing team, the Mortal Dawn. Right you are, Storm. I'm here in Alcara, about 200 miles from the nearest town, and it's a balmy 122 degrees. Storm, you weren't kidding about this place. It's truly hotter than hot. With me here is one of the field agents leading this particular expedition. What can you tell me about the scene here today? Well, this is the location where the missing persons were last seen. You mean swallowed by a giant worm? Look, worm or no worm, we're not leaving a single stone unturned. You usually find missing things where you last expect to, and that's why we're starting from the top. Well, what in your words do we have here? Well, we've got a hole. A hole, yes, where the giant worm emerged and swallowed our brave heroes where they stood. Mm-hmm. Well, this hole is roughly 400 feet across, and it looks like sand has slowly been filling it back in. This thing goes on for miles and miles. Now, due to the size of the hole, an exploration team being dispatched could take an unusual amount of time to find anything. I'm talking seasons, years, who knows? Well, you've seen the footage, right? Caught on live Quadron Monitor, a huge behemoth rose from the sands and devoured the battlefield, then vanished into the underground. Look, uh, when it comes to good detective work, you can't make any assumptions. When you see a worm in a giant hole, I see a lot of questions that need to be answered. I mean, did anyone want them dead? Is this worm a known criminal? And what is the political climate like here? Here, in the desert. Exactly! And why were they in the wrong place at the wrong time? Seems pretty suspicious to me. I'm willing to bet this worm is nothing more than a government cover-up, but for what? And why? And how deep does this really go? You mean the whole? I mean the whole thing! Well, folks, I won't keep these hard-working agents busy any longer. Let's get back to the action after this word from our sponsors. It's a new age. You're working for the top and earning experience. Progress means change, and change means upgrading. Introducing the new Scryphone 4. Top-of-the-line wide-range divination signals, instant message and sending capabilities, bardically powerful music and entertainment. Watch your favorite shows on the go, like the League of Ultimate Questing. For payment plans, ask about our new Asmodian service contract. You've got a soul. Give a little. The new Scryphone 4. Magic and adventure at your fingertips. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. 
Hi everybody, this is Zach, your least favorite editor and most favorite Slav caricature. I want to show my appreciation for all of you out there in Twitter land for giving us shoutouts and tagging us in things. Uh, at Slap the Dash, it's super incredibly helpful and those signal boosts really kind of give us a, a sense of purpose. In particular, we want to thank at Champions RPG. That's like champions with an I instead of an A. Uh, they gave us a really nice signal boost that was much appreciated. And obviously we want to thank Isaac Davies for shouting out to us and giving us props for giving them GM tips. Also at Brian underscore the underscore red for giving us, you know, just, I mean, comments and things like that. I know it seems like nothing, but you know, the more you talk, the more we get noticed and the more people listen, which is what we really want. Beyond that, I hope you guys enjoyed Cult of the Maw. Uh, if you guys are interested in it, obviously go check it out. And if you want yourself a call to action, I say you go out and find a Dane and kiss them on the face. Because they are still our second biggest audience after the United States. Come on, UK. Step it up. From humble beginnings playing for copper in Rotward hovels, to sold-out shows at the Nanmerian Solar Dome, this is the story of Gabriel Edelweir, the man who reinvented the mandolin. on stage and just charm the entire audience. I hardly even remember the music. He was a poet, a force of nature. He was also a half-elf which helped his charisma score. To the dark secrets lying underneath. Every show I was tripped off my ass on illegal alchemy. I used to go to Andesign once a season to buy whatever trash they'd sell me. I'd leave with full bags of holding. Or once some dark elves tried to kidnap me for ransom, but their sleeping darts just gave me a hard-on. I was fucked up 24-7. I tried to heal him with magic once, and I actually heard my god say no. The legend, the mystery, the tragedy. Gabriel Edelweir, the man who put the man in mandolin. Tonight on Nexus Entertainment, Behind the Minstrel. Please, please tell me, what is this? What is this thing in my chest? I do not speak to the stones like some, but I know magic when I see it. You have absorbed the residuum of the walls. I can feel it within you. Whatever you have is hungry, and it hungers for magic. Does it hunger for me? Hmm. I could not say. But watch it closely, and pay attention to when it feeds, for who knows if you can control such things. Thank you. There is a mated pair of the beasts that hunt us to the northern mines. If you can go and kill them, it may frighten the others. The scent of their dead bodies tends to keep others at bay. And I can have the three that dug you out guide you to the surface this very day if you are in a hurry. Is it the direct line to the surface, or do we have to go through the shift? No. Okay. You see me, like, visibly breathe out like like just a, a sigh of relief and then just like wipe my brow she seems comforted by it too and she's like i know <laughs> <laughs> and arvid um approaches i don't know what the shift is but are there any pictures of these beasts are there any books about them we do not practice much with iconography but 
and she reaches up to one of the things hanging up there and it looks like a, a large jointed piece of carapace and she pulls it down and it's very sharp at one end and it's probably a foot and a half long tip to end and it looks like a very large finger of some kind of beast she says a claw of the hulk Arvid will take it, and does it look like anything recognizable? Spider bit, or like... Nature check, please. Eleven. Uh, you recognize the carapace as something somewhat insectoid, but that's about it. You've never seen something with like a big clawed hand like this. Uh, can I... I, I don't know, because I, I, I mean, I've been in right. the Underdark. Is there some way I can get like... Just because this is like where you technically grew up, mm-hmm. different region of it by far, but I'll let you get a nature check even though you're not trained. Sure, sure, sure. No bonus on that, though? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's not a success. That's for damn sure. All right. Well, I mean, while you grew up here, you also... There's a lot of stuff you never got to learn during your life. It's a big place. Do the stones have memories? How high are you right now? <laughs> <laughs> Haruthax is, like, inspecting a mushroom, like, what? <laughs> like, like literally, <laughs> literally holding it, just licked it to see what it tastes like. Like, what? his tongue is like glow, or their tongue is glowing blue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually gonna grab some of those mushrooms and put them in my bag. They'll let you have some, yeah. Cool. The residuum grows where the ley lines of magic of the material sphere cross. That is where we harvest it, and that is where we live. I would be surprised if these stones were not connected to all magic throughout the land. Call that a memory, if you will, but a connection for sure. You spoke of haste. If you wish, Chimble, Gizik, and Tweop will take you to where we were last <laughs> plagued. <laughs> no, yeah, they sound like a duop group. <laughs> Why do your uh, people have names like Automatopia? These are the names of our culture. Apologies, I fully meant defense, but only as joke. I'm certain if I cared what your names were, they would sound silly to me. Burn. Wicked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that moment. <laughs> I fucking love that. I'm excited for for RTM to start using like burn and lit and all that <laughs> ridiculous like. You gave me that idea, by the way. By saying lit, that you got that. that that's in. Does You're, does least. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is lit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can be Russian. I can't do- Full I Swede. Please take some of the mushrooms with you, but do not ingest them. Your systems are not adapted to them. They are very good for cauterizing, and they can be used within a mixture to make a hallucinogen, but nothing powerful, and it requires much training. They are not a food source, though. They are sacred. Haruthax's tongue is still blue. <laughs> yeah, you get like that kind of like, like when your arm falls asleep, but your tongue. So they gesture out the door, and the three figures are kind of bouncing eagerly standing there. Chimble, Gizik, and Tweop will take you to where we last encountered the beasts. Christ. Can you use your abilities to sense Dalazir or Reginald in the crystals the way that we were? Uh, I'm not sure if I can differentiate, but I can try. I will cast Guidance on Chris as he attempts to do this. Okay, go ahead and roll me an Arcana check, and I'll have you move to the, the wall on the outside of this cylindrical cavern to once again connect with the residuum. Uh, could you remind me if I have to use a d6 for Guidance? Guidance is d4. D4. Four uh, added added to your d20 roll. This one. Okay. Uh, that is a 19 total. Wow. Uh, you do manage to tune in pretty well, but you get life forms all over the place. Like, you're guessing there's probably hundreds of these Furf Neblin. I feel hundreds of these small feelings of life. Uh, I, 
I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. It is fine. It was worth a try. I'm going to kind of like huddle up on them. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing uh, more than likely Mr. Uh, Dalazir. He's probably just fine. He's probably following us. That is my supposition. Remember, he turned invisible in the middle of the combat. He's a master of obfuscation. Do you think he'll try to kill us again? I doubt it. We just saved his life many times over. He doesn't seem like the honorable sort. Nobody would be so stupid as to attack four with one. Nobody nobody except me, because I seem to do that surprisingly a lot. He has little to gain from it as well. Do you wish to rest before you set out? Da, but I would also ask that you give us something a little bit more than simply, oh, we will guide you out of here. Hmm. You've already admitted that you are not fighters, and we are doing you a great service and putting ourselves in extreme danger. But you expect us to do this simply for a, a courtesy that you should probably give us anyway. Chris says to Artem and Elvin, are you, are you sure saving lives is enough? Why would I save lives? Isn't that your whole mission? Oh, life! Sorry, the... Your accent is very confusing. I'm not simply here to save people from the dangers they put themselves into. These people are more than capable of fighting. If I go out of my way to endanger my own life for something that's not Lee Quest that delays our time, especially when we are sitting here with a red star, pointless. I'd like to get a little bit of a reward for my work. We are not beholden to the sun touched. Though, if you wish for a reward and you require haste, I will make you whole and then send you on your way. You will not get baubles or trinkets from us. You will wander through the mines and lose yourselves and be killed by monsters if you wish to not have our help. But you know how complex the labyrinthian tunnels of the Underdark are. It is very dangerous to send my children to the surface. They will be terrified for their lives. I, I look at uh, Chris. You may want to stand forward, because if I continue to speak with them, I might say something we will regret. Understood. And I'm just locking Eisler the whole time. Haruthax pats Artyom on the back and says, That was very good. You're learning. I lean away <laughs> from the touch. <laughs> Is there anything that you can do to heal us, replenish our energies, so that we might help you? Yes. I can give you revitalization. It takes a lot out of me. But if it helps you to defeat our foes, then I consider it a blessing to the colony. You would encounter them on your own regardless, and then you would get lost. This seems mutually beneficial. Agreed. 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 Very good. Please link hands and get close. She has you return to her little cylindrical hut. I, like, I make a face as I like grab <laughs> yeah, Artax's hand. I offer a hand to Artyom, but don't. But let let him grab it. And uh, they go to a wall and reach inside of some kind of very strange subterranean flower. Like it's very withered and bulbous, and she sticks her fingers in there and pulls out this little tiny glowing bug, like a little mealworm. And it's just pumping out this like white and blue phosphorescent energy. And she shoves it into the tip of her pipe and uh, with a long incense like stick lights it inhales very deeply and then exhales this huge cloud of blue smoke. And the room is just immediately filled with like sparkles in the air. And uh, you feel like it entering your lungs and your eyes and it's just like getting blasted by like anise and sage and herbs. It washes all over you. It makes you feel almost like tingly. Um, and you are in fact returned to the state you would be for a long rest. Um, feeling very revitalized. Uh, I thank you so much for your strain. And uh, their tattoos that were glowing seem to have faded quite a bit. And they're sitting immediately leaning down like, ah, ah. 
haven't done that since I was a child. Thank you. I wish to apologize. It is difficult to get out of the habit of speaking to one such as yourself the way we are raised to. I think my children were excited to see you because when the drow come, the monsters leave. Hopefully we can maintain that tradition. Then go and be not lost. Chimble, Gizik, and Tweop will lead you um, eagerly, and they all carry their weapons that they had before, which are just mining tools, and they seem like they're bolstered with energy, and they all point to themselves, you know, which one's weapons. Chimble, Gizik, Tweop. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it to death. And they lead you out, and as you are escorted down a completely different set of cavernous mine shafts, uh, you hear a new song coming from the cylinder while the gnomes were sitting amongst the walls and up in the crystals. It's strange but beautiful. It almost sounds like mm. a song of blessing, a song of guidance. Chimble. Chimble. They're Pokemon now. Chimble, go! Um, <laughs> Chimble, can you teach me this song? It's rather beautiful. Mm, mm. And as you're walking, they begin singing it too, and the three of them are kind of harmonizing off and on with this upbeat song. And it's it's weirdly comforting. Like, you can tell it's probably some sort of, like, uh, a thank you. Mm. And you travel for the better part of an hour through left, right, absolutely untrackable. Even with if you had paper and pencil, like, you would get lost. It starts to get narrower, and you stop seeing the residuum coming out of the walls. The area you're going to looks like the walls have been completely carved out completely excavated of any precious things that were once here. So this is probably a dead mine shaft, um, no longer paying off as the others are. You come across what looks like streaks of blood along the walls in certain spots, and you can see the bones of very small humanoid skulls pressed up against stalagmites, and the air starts to get filled with this kind of moist, coppery smell the deeper you go in. How how fresh does the blood look? Uh, roll me medicine. Okay. 11. All right. Um, you can just tell that the blood, the blood is not that old. Um, maybe a week at most. Most of it comes on the floor and in the walls um, as you enter a slightly larger opening cavern. And the floor is riddled with mining tools. There are skeletons and rib cages, not decayed, but picked clean. And the wall is covered in huge openings that seem like something has just kind of ripped out of the wall. At that, you hear the sound of slow skittering. Something hard is dragging against stone, and two huge clawed hands emerge from outside of one of the cavities as the monsters appear. Storm, you've told me all kinds of stories about your questing days in the LUQ. I don't think you've ever told me what your very first quest was. Even after you retired, the Silver Pennants moved on to be a top-ranking team, but how did it all start? What was Mission Zero? Ah, uh, oh jeez, Kip. Uh, I, I, that's not a very good story. Come on, Storm, you've piqued my interest. Oh, crap. Uh, well... Look, we, we were tracking down this criminal by the name of Randall the Pale, right? Some wizard fresh out of the Arcadium selling scrolls to Thieves Guild, some nonsense like that, and really not a big deal. But uh, the Three Towers wanted to get some PR with the new league, so they gave us a crack at it. Problem is, Randall had a full-time hobby that we had to learn all about in order to get close to him. Candle making? Nudity. Soon as the guy graduated, he disrobed and never robed again. Turns out Danmere's packed with exhibitionists, whole throngs of them letting it all hang out in fancy underground lounges, just naked as newborns. Not like getting down and dirty or anything, just, you know, hanging out. 
The team had to infiltrate the group to get him to admit to his crimes, and well, let's just say the costuming wasn't real complicated. Let's also say the Randall Bale was a very accurate nickname. Those poor modern recorders must have blown a fuse trying to blur out all them butts and bosoms. <laughs> not the worst way to spend an afternoon, but I hope my Nam Nam's not listening. All in all, pretty good team building exercise. First time in action and willing to bear it all. Just goes to show that you have to have what it takes to make it to the top. These are the kinds of stories you can only hear about in the League of Ultimate Questing. And that is where we'll wrap up. So you guys like this for Nebelin? Are they, <coughs> the happy little doodads? I'm I'm still wondering if it would be like a dumb question to be like, how, why have you guys like tried to reason with these things? Can they be reasoned with? Good question. I kept meant to, I kept yeah. meant on being I'm, like I'm excited. I've never fought an before, so this will be super uh, fun. I didn't know it was a you could have not said you that. You knew it was an I didn't. Uh, I don't know. know? Sh- I don't know shit about D and D monsters. Oh, okay. I made I made eye contact with you when he said Hulk, and you were like, mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were talking about Hulk. No, oh. <laughs> you know the beloved character, yeah. Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. Yeah, damn it. Um, Taking no, down for copyright. So here's the thing: when I run games, it's always theater of the mind, and I always just make up monsters in my head. I usually yeah. don't use existing things, right? And you'll, and even in my games, like there'll be similar templates, but I don't think you guys have fought anything like out of a book yet. Like yeah. it'll be, it'll re- represent something similar in another world. But well, the Owlbear was uh... Owlbear was pretty classic. Yeah, Owlbear. yeah. yeah pretty classic. Owlbear. We also didn't fight it though. Classic true. Owlbear. Well, yeah, because we're smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's fight the Owlbear guys. The, the point of that encounter was to avoid fighting the Owlbear, yeah. which we succeeded at. Yeah. All right. You nice. want to pass me that ad read? Yeah. You want to go for that? Let's bust it out. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a little, I'll do a little, I'll do a little number. You okay? All okay. right. I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's a that's a wrap on today's episode of the LUQ. We're gonna go around the table, and, and everybody's gonna do a little bit. We'll start with Artyom. Was that me? I'm Zach Marcus. I play Artyom, and I'm also the editor and producer. Uh, I'm Alante Bearcat, and I play Chris the Sorcerer. I'm Samantha Frost, and I uh, play Arvid Ulfmund, the barbarian furbog. Drewbarb. 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 <laughs> And I'm Law. I'm the dungeon master and creative deck. Creative deck. Creative um, dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm the big creative dick around. Yeah. <laughs> no. yes. uh, my name's Law. I'm the dungeon master and creative director of Flapdash Studios. I heard Flapdash. I did. And I, I like. Fla- Could we just keep it as Flapdash? I, I see, think I'm that's what I said. But her- terrible. I heard Flapdash. That's, that's what I- <laughs> oh. Yep. And my name is Michael Loving. I play Heruth Axon. I'm doing today's outro. Do it up. All right. Thank you for joining us for the League of Ultimate Questing. New episodes go live every Monday with bonus content created by Law and Zach every Friday. You can listen to us at the new URL, www.theluq.com, or wherever podcasts are available. If you have questions for the show, are interested in advertising opportunities, or have ideas for fake ads, email Law and Zach at admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us on social media like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at slapthedash. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to share it with your friends and we can all keep growing and questing together. We also have t-shirts available on the website, the LUQ website. And until next time, we wish you luck.